0: Hi, I'm Justin Mormon,
1: and I'm Katie Thornton, and this is the Reeducation of Schools podcast,
0: where we have open, honest conversations about how to better understand social-emotional learning, trauma-informed care, the whys behind student behavior, and how to help kids navigate it all as they go through school and life. All right, welcome to episode 23, If I Ruled the World, People Over Programs. I feel like I said that very fakey. I feel like I turned on like a yeah. certain voice yeah. in that one. I don't know. Here we are. No, people over programs, we're going to be talking. Actually, do you want to talk? You are talking a big game yeah. about how you're okay, taking it away. So so. I, the
1: dynamic is going to switch today, so everybody get excited. It's I am going to take <laughs> more of the lead on hosting this one. Um, we, I think uh, Justin gets asked this a lot, like, what's the program? How we have some really behaviorally uh, – kids with some behavioral challenges that come and somehow – magically, they always do really well with Justin. We never have any issues. People say, well, what's the program? How do you do it? It's
0: maybe over. That's yeah. maybe overstating how <laughs> yeah. great I am. Let's not. Yeah.
1: <laughs> not that there are things, but it never feels wild, right? Or out of control or, goal. right? So what's the program, right? How do we do that? And so this came up because I think we're going to talk about, is it a program and I think this is something you're really passionate about. And I'm kind of excited. Usually it's me getting fired up about stuff. I'm kind of excited about Justin talking about this I episode today. I'm off guard now. Now I don't know what I to do with myself to-
0: <laughs> in this episode.
1: should be a good dynamic. So let's just get into it. Why can't trauma-informed care be a program?
0: Well, I think I, I think to start, you said it right. Like, I think this is a question that we get asked a lot. We get asked, what should I What should I do when? Right? Like, So they want more. Uh, a lot of people want to know. You know, what do I do when a kid runs out of a building? You know, mm-hmm. or what do I do when, uh, you know, when a kid yeah. is, starts cussing at me? Or what do I do when... And, they, and it's usually centered around a situation, right? Mm-hmm. So what that automatically insinuates... And people aren't asking this in a malicious way. Like, they, yeah. they're wanting to help. They're wanting to they're wanting to improve solve a problem. They want to improve their practices. Yeah, great way of saying it. And I think... Um, but I think what the, that kind of question lends itself to is, like, this almost math problem that we talk about a lot like a plus b equals c like okay so a kid cusses i do this thing or say these words Mm -hmm. i get the result the student stops cussing the world goes on you know everything's fine and i think that's that's not how it works and like what what we find with programs in general doesn't matter what kind of program it is um they're going to hit probably about 80. I can give you a program. Like we can find a program. I can try to create a program myself. Right. Yeah. But it's going to catch probably about 80% of the kids. That's tier one. Yeah. 85% of the kids. I don't know. Somewhere yeah. in there. And then there's gonna be about maybe 10% of the kids, 15% of the kids that it only kind of works for. And they probably need something else. And then you're the still going to be left with about 5% of the kids. That's tier three. Who the program doesn't work for. And I think that that's, um, that's hard for people to hear. And I think but here's part of why I think that's hard for people to hear is because a lot of companies and a lot of individuals are really good about marketing and trying to create a packaged thing to sell people. And my gosh, if you could convince a school that if they just did all of these things and say the yeah. script, like we have it, and uh, yeah. I'm not going to say like specifics. I was going to make a real mean comment about a very specific program I know about. But um, I won't. Yeah. If you just do these things, then all the all the problems in your school go away. Right. And so principals hear this staff. hears this superintendents quick, hear this. It's a quick fix. Oh, my gosh. We'll let's us buy this. It. Yeah, let's do it. We're going to be all in on this thing. And you get to the end. And what you really find is still there's probably going to be about five percent of the kids that it doesn't really work for. And it's not really catching them for whatever reason. And there's still about 10% of the kids, 15% of the kids are going to need more help still. And there's about 80% of the kids who honestly didn't need the program in the first place who are bought in and they and they run with it, right? Yep. So it's really hard. So I think there's – and I think – I was even talking to a guy when I was – when we were first starting up the podcast and um, well-intentioned guy uh, and he – doesn't work at our school. Sometimes I feel like I need to say that so that yeah. if people that work at our school, I don't know how many people that work at our actual school even <laughs> listen to this. Yeah. But I always feel like I need to say that. Um, doesn't work at our school. But um, he said, you know, I, you know I, think the, I think the trauma-informed care stuff that you're talking about, um, that kind of program would probably work in, uh, you know, in like a setting like yours, but it wouldn't work in, uh, you know, some gen ed rooms. And I was like, and it was interesting I had talked to him a lot about stuff. And mm-hmm. he's not currently like a teacher or anything like that. A little bit older guy. And I, and I thought it was interesting because again, like it was this yeah. idea that everything, everything that's talked about is it has to be a program. Right. Yeah. And so we had this and then discussion that it's like, well, well, here's the thing though, like approaching students like in a trauma informed way or, or however you want to describe it. Yeah. That's not a program. It's a, really a way of, again, we talk about this all the time. It's kind of a way of seeing, um, Seeing kids and viewing the world kind of around you, as opposed to like a program that we implement. Yeah, and that's hard for people then, because then what do we? But then what do we do, right? So, so the,
1: there's not like desk. You don't sit at your desk a certain way, or put no. this like schedule up, or no. do this like paperwork no, with the kids I mean, ahead of time, I right?
0: That. So asking me to bang my yeah. head against the wall year after year, right? Yeah. Because whatever I've got this year for my caseload, that's going to dictate.
1: What your day looks like. It's going to
0: dictate what my day looks like. It's going to dictate how I run my room. So we talk about this um, quite a bit just in our current setup. So this is my third year in the district that we're in, in the building that we're in. So two years ago, right, it looked one very specific way because of the setup that we had. Yeah. Right. The kids that I had, the caseload I had, and at the time what I was being asked to do. Right. So then last year, it looked completely different. Now I had a plan going into last year and that plan got upended Literally like Lake. eight minutes into the first day because I was like, oh, this is how this is going to work this year. Eight minutes into the first day, I found out, hey, what my plan was wasn't going to work. A student that I thought was going to be really cool with being able to go in to a gen ed room in an inclusion setting and maintain in there relatively well wasn't all of a sudden. Yep. Eight eight minutes. In, right. And then I thought, well, you know, I, I didn't just give up. You know, we we tried some things, but it became clear pretty quick. I had to completely change my approach. And I had to come up with a new plan because what I wasn't going to do is keep trying to jam a square peg into a round hole. Like, right. right. That's not how it was going to work. So I had to completely change. So my year last year looked completely different than I planned on. Right. And I tried, I, I went you know, out of my way. That's not, I, I made sure to make, to let gen ed teachers know like, Hey, this was the original plan. This no longer can be my plan. So this is now This is now what we're working with. Because
1: we need to keep kids regulated. We need to keep kids safe. And we need to make sure kids, everybody's getting an education, right? Yes, absolutely. So
0: here's how we're going to make it work um, for my caseload of kids that is still in inclusion. Here's how I'm going to make it work for the kids that are just hanging with me because that's what they need a lot more. And here's how I'm going to make it work for you you guys um, as far as support and whatever goes. Coverage, all the things. Um, and it looked completely different than what I planned on. Yeah. And then this year it looks different than what it did last year. And, and there's different approaches and there's different places that I feel like I need to be in. There's different ways that we have to adjust that there's, so there's not a program. There's not a, if you just go in and sometimes that's what happens, right? Like somebody wants to come in and watch, like, well, come in and watch Justin's room. Like, let's see so that we can try to like recreate that same thing in another building. Yeah the problem with that is you might see what my room looks like that, that year or, or that, that moment,
1: that day, or that
0: whatever, but it's not necessarily, that's not the key
1: with those kids. That's not, yeah, yeah. that's
0: not the thing that's solving it, a program that we're going to like try to then mimic somewhere else. It's, it's the approach, it's the way of seeing kids and how they interact. And then like those concepts that we've talked about a lot for 22 episodes, right? Um, it's all of those things that go into like the decision-making the um, willingness to make certain kinds of decisions, so it's tough. So there are some like pretty consistent like trauma informed approaches that can be universal that we can mm-hmm. talk about, and we have talked about on the pod. I don't think we need to sit yeah. here today and you know go over them, you know ad nauseum again. But I think there are some universal things that you can put in place. Uh, but it's not really a a program that can be packaged, um, even if people are trying to do that. And I think the other part of why it can't be a packaged program that sometimes people miss. And that really is kind of the crux of this whole episode, right? Is that, uh, students are bringing their own very specific, like history and experiences to your classroom.
1: I, I wrote down the same thing.
0: Well, uh, We're on the same page. Cause <laughs> well, it's probably for the best, right? Yeah. So there's not a programmed approach that's going to address every student's needs because there can't be a programmed approach that knows very specifically how, you know, you are, what your whole history is. And so again, it doesn't mean that there's not general things that we can do. And again, baseline, I think 80% of our kids, just by you doing any given teacher doing like their normal stuff is going to, they're going to be fine. Mm -hmm. Right. And then we need a little bit more for about, again, 10, 15%. And then there's uh, 5% that we have to really make, um, some adjustments for, or some, uh, some different decisions need to be made for, you know, but I think that's, that's part of, that's part of why that is kids are individuals. That's why, Mm That's one reason why it can't be a programmed approach. And then I think that other one, again, is like there's – you're going to miss kids in any kind of program you build.
1: Yeah, I think I was just thinking the same thing that really – we talk about trauma-informed care, that it's really story, trauma, events, experiences. Each one of us are so different, and you can't – don't know the people. So you have to build the system with the people, right? Yeah. So you can't – prematurely say, this is what it's going to look like. I'm just going to do these things or set up my room this way or do this. And then we're going to see sh- work. shifts. Like yeah. that's not how it works with the science. So how does trauma informed care work inside a classroom system? So we talk a lot about this through the podcast. So let's just say as we tra- do some transferable things over to maybe um, less of a specific setting, that maybe you're in think about how can trauma-informed care look in some of our classroom settings
0: sure so again i think it's that way of seeing uh the kids and the way of interacting with them overall as opposed to like uh, that, that specific program like we talked about and so what's what gets tricky about that overall is that you're a very different person than i am yeah right yep absolutely people are are classrooms take on our personalities which Mm -hmm. is fine i think that's why also i don't like program stuff is because then it's asking well every classroom has to look kind of the same and that's that's we're losing a lot in that i think yeah Um, my our
1: gifts are different yeah the way i approach kids my personality yeah everything is just different but it works really well for some kids and your personality works really well for some kids and then and how we address things yeah and
0: that and that's fine and that's actually good for kids to have those different experiences that they don't have to just have like a robotic approach from every teacher um, that they can have those individualized approaches. So I think what um, you can do is, again, you take that personality and you take some of these concepts we might talk about and understand that they work different they'd work different for katie than they will for me josh would look Mm -hmm. different with them than he would you know either of us some there would be some crossover between all three of us yeah all those things so some like of those general components anytime you look at trauma informed care that one of the first things you're gonna always see is safety you have to have like kids feeling safe and here's what is gonna potentially fire people up right is because i don't think there's a teacher out there it's like you know what I'm really terrible at keeping my kids safe. That yeah. is, if I had to say what my, what my weakness is, it's classroom it's safety. safety. Like, yeah. you know, like nobody's going to say that everybody feels like they're doing their best to keep everybody safe. And so I want to give like a little bit of an explanation of what that means, because again, I don't want um, people to think that that means that you have to treat your students with like kid gloves. Like nobody can be offended or like ever, you know, they like, we don't want to hear safety in like yeah. the worst context. Um, so because most people, again, are, feel, are, are keeping their yeah. kids safe. Like that's what they're doing. So a good, a good, easy example of this is like, you might have a kid who, um, we just talked about this not too long ago, uh, at a presentation, but like, you might have a kid who constantly, you know, they're, they're constantly looking back at the door, constantly looking back at the door, constantly looking back at the door, there, nothing crazy is happening yeah. in your room. Nothing outrageous, nothing unsafe is happening in your room. But this kid is really struggling to pay attention and is always yeah. looking back at the door. Because they may feel unsafe with their back to the door. Yep. That's not like, you're not an awful teacher because a student feels unsafe with their back to the door.
1: That's their trauma history. Yeah, yeah just, or, for whatever yeah. reason,
0: it's why they feel that way. And so a simple adjustment would be to pay attention to your kids, right? And find... That student in this situation, hey, move their seat to where they don't have to, they can face the door. They're facing the door more. And now all of a sudden you've eliminated like this huge amount of what to a student feels like a safety issue for them. You've eliminated it. It doesn't mean that like that kid was getting pounded in the face by somebody every day and it was like physically unsafe for them to be there. But if they were feeling unsafe, then we, then we make an adjustment, right? Yep to help that student feel safe all of a sudden. That's what I mean with safety. I mean, obviously we don't want people getting pounded either in our yeah, classrooms. Yeah. You should have be able to keep your kids safe. But, but I think it's that other, that next layer down that we sometimes don't think about that really is the biggest deal in a gen, general education classroom, yeah. right? Our everyday classrooms is look for those little signs that maybe hey, it's odd that this kid keeps doing this one thing. Yeah. I wonder if there's something to that. I wonder if wonder if it's because it's too loud in here. And Mm -hmm. that makes them feel like it's just, oh, it's like an unsafe situation. Like they feel just so dysregulated and I can make like a small adjustment to help them feel safer and more at home in the room though. That's the safety I'm talking about. In addition to like the keep everybody safe, obviously the main one, I think stability, consistency, predictability. We talk about that a lot. Those are always like things that come up with trauma informed care as well. And so, um, however you are, (laughs) unless you're awful, I guess, like, but however you are, be consistently that way. Um, uh, this is why I think self-care and knowing yourself is super important as well, because if you, which we talk about a lot, but if you know yourself well, you know, when you're doing well or when you're going through what a couple of says go a rough patch. Um, if you're going through a rough patch or not, and then talk about the human side of you, in whatever age appropriate way is to your students. Right. So high schoolers are going to get it in a much different way than what, you know, a kindergarten class is going to get it or a middle school class is going to get it. But I think humanizing yourself to the kids, to the students is helpful because then when you are having those hard days, you're able to explain that and explain why, you know, in whatever age appropriate way you can. And um, that helps build that consistency and that stability as opposed to those kids like guessing every day. But if you keep yourself in the most stable spot you can, in the most regulated spot you can um, through your own self-care and things like that, that's going to be huge to helping the, your whole class feel like there's stability. So what you don't want is those kids walking around, and we say this multiple times, we'll continue to say it, we don't want them guessing Which Mr. Mormon they're going to have today? Am I going to have the one that's like flying off the handle when I go to sharpen the pencil without asking, or am I having the one that's like, oh yeah, just get up, you don't have to ask me? Like, yeah, yeah, consistency. Like the kids need to know. Like they don't, they don't want to be guessing on those things. Yeah, it's hard.
1: I also thought about like our episode on class. We did one on uh, self or classroom regulation. Instead of thinking about classroom management, classroom yeah. regulation. My room feels really dysregulated right now. How can I put some systems in place for the regulation? The relationship practice we keep on going back to that. Um, so some of those things as we talk about the tier one level of trauma informed care and really looking at kids instead of saying what it. What discipline protocol do they need? What experiences do they need, or interventions do they need, so we can shift behavior? Yeah, behavior really is a symptom that we can help put experiences, and interventions in place. I think that's more of the, the tier one uh, approach in terms of trauma informed care, and those things all go back to professional development and understanding the neuroscience, and um, you know, some collaboration, communication yeah. type things that you can't bottle up in a pro- Like I can't tell you to go do this this and this right yeah and that's the thing
0: oh and i think some of those even shifts in language uh used to bother me right like Mm -hmm. it used to bother me some of the shifts in language but i have i've had to remind myself over the years that really um like words and language are powerful and they yeah. hold a lot of weight. And so changing even something, cause somebody could easily say like, well, what's the difference between providing a kid an experience and disciplining a kid if we ultimately are doing the same thing? Yeah. Well, there may not be that maybe, maybe in your mind discipline, same, yeah. it's you end up in the same way as providing an experience, but there's like a difference in language. And I think sometimes that yeah. matters. It may not matter to you, but it matters to people overall. Yeah. And I think that there's a, should be a willingness, hopefully a willingness for us to acknowledge that and to, um, try to make adjustments, even if we don't agree with it. You know, I mean, I think there's been times that stuff's been pointed out to any of us, right. Stuff's been pointed out to me before. And I'm like, I feel like that's excessive, but you know what? At the same time, if I want to continue to be able to reach people and, um, And communicate with people well, then maybe I just need to make the adjustment as best I can, you know, and I'm not gonna be perfect, but I, but I'll try to make the adjustment and catch myself and not use this term or not use this phrase or whatever it might be. Even if I, even if I don't personally have the internal reaction to it. So I think that's that, um, that language piece is kind of important to sometimes shift. I think the other thing that we can do as far as stability goes too is provide like kids with the, um, with like a, a heads up on changes that are coming. Yep. Right, so that if it's if all of a sudden what has been stable and consistent is going to be different, then to give them a heads up instead of just shifting it, and um, that's that goes really for every age too, because you think about yourself as an adult, like you don't love it if all of a sudden stuff's just different, yeah, without any heads up, yeah, like actually people get really fired up about that, yeah, <laughs> like they get yeah. really upset about that, yep. um, because it's a super dysregulating thing to think. That gotta, one thing's going to happen. I will to wrap my
1: head around that now. Yes. Yeah. And so
0: k- students are no different, whether it's a high school or whether it's like a little kid. Cause I think sometimes we stop doing that as kids get older. Yeah, Cause we're like, Oh, they'll handle it. Like they're fine. That's like yeah. a little kid thing to do. That's not the case. Think about how, <laughs> how mad you are when all of a sudden somebody tells you like what protocol yeah. is and how it's completely different now. And you're like, but wait, and there was no warning, we didn't yeah. talk about it like what? It's just like,
1: a thing now, yeah, yeah,
0: I mean, so I you know, know another that. thing
1: that comes to mind I think you do really well is the pre-correction, like getting sure. kids set up, which I think maybe you don't even notice right that but it just needs to see you when you're working with kids just that pre-correction like hey, you're about to go into do this, yeah, think about what your plan is. What are your goals? You know, like
0: some of the like
1: do a lot of that pre teaching, that pre correction piece um, is the trauma informed care. We're talking about like getting kids ready for those experiences. And um, I think that's a really important part as we're talking through components that you have to look at. But again, you can't put that in a program. Because you don't know what the kid is, what the the expectations are, what the experiences are. You just have to read the room and try to work through or coach through those pre-correction opportunities.
0: We have to understand what – you have to understand how the brain works, right? Right. And you have to understand that trauma um, background and those trauma approaches. I think that's part of that is understanding that. And if you don't understand that, then you're not going to see things different Mm -hmm. or – or have the eyes to be able to recognize what needs to shift. Right. I think I do a lot too. I try to do a lot of even, and again, slightly different role, but I think in a gen ed room, you do the same thing. Like, Hey, instead of, we're going to do something that may, that may be rough for kids. Like Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe it's a tough concept they're going to learn. It's going to be a tough, um, math lesson. They're not going to get it. You know, it might be that we have this drill that's going to be potentially scary. Yeah. What sometimes we do is we're like, People can land in a spot where, like, hey, this is going to be fine. We're all going to do well. We're going to do great with it. And then you get into it again. This is slightly stealing this from that Chris, one of the Chris Boss videos. Is, you know, yeah. that never split the difference. I, but it, this idea, it's like I think the example he uses is like if a doctor says, "Hey, I'm going to I'm going to give you a shot. It's not going to hurt at all. Don't worry about it." And then they give you a shot, and then you're like, you're fired up because it hurt. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. hey, like that hurt? What yeah. the word just lied to me? Yeah. Um, as opposed to saying like, hey, listen, I'm going to give you the shot. It's probably going to hurt a lot. Like, I'm sorry, I have to do it, but, it, but it is what we have yeah. to do. And then they give you a shot and you're like, Oh, you know, that actually wasn't that bad. Like think, you yeah. know, thanks for the warning. Mm-hmm. It's the same idea, right? To approach like maybe the math lesson. Hey guys, we're going to listen, we're going to learn this new concept. It's, I'm going to be honest. It's gonna be a tough one. Like we're, we probably don't know it. You know, we don't get like it getting but, yourself prepared. But I want you to know, like, we're going to be in it together and we're going to, we're going to work it out we're going to figure it out. But, it, but it, man, it's a tough one today. Then you go into it, that's going to give a whole different feel to your class than like, hey guys, we're going to do this math lesson today, new concept, but you know what? We're going to get it. You guys are going to do great with it. Well, then if I'm sitting there and I'm not doing great with it, yeah, I'm thinking like, crap. Like I'm, everybody's doing great with this, and I'm not. Like everybody's smiling, everybody seems happy about, it, and I'm stuck. Yeah. And I don't know what to do. And everybody said this was going to be easy, and it's not. And so, am I dumb? Like I better just get out of here. You know, I go to the bathroom. I get mad. I rip up my paper, whatever it might be. I just shut down. I just don't do any of it. Or ask for help. I'm just sad. I go home and tell my parents how I don't understand what's happening in math, you know, yeah. as opposed to like, Hey, this was, it was really tough, but, but I did kind of get that one part of it, but you know, they said it was going to be really hard. So like, I don't, you know, it's just, it's those shifts that I think help us, um, prep kids. It's that pre, again, pre-correction, but you can do that for things that aren't behavior. And I think doing that for things that are tough concepts, um, it's a good idea because it really preps those kids to be more successful and it, it prepares yeah. their brain to accept it better.
1: Yeah, so we're talking through like really big shifts, right? So if we're looking at like school districts or school based programming, what are some of the, some, you addressed some of them, but like the biggest lens shifts that we really need to take on?
0: Yeah. Well, I think one thing that a lot of schools are doing in general now and kind of also maybe goes with the last question as well. But um, I think doing some of the uh, general kind of tier one, like SEL, kind Mm -hmm. of like social emotional learning kind of um, curriculums, teaching. It's almost like math, like a new math program or something. We were talking about a math program not long ago in one of our meetings uh, at school. And somebody was saying, like, hey, we're just now starting to see a lot of the payoff, it seems yeah. like, where kids are really knowing the language. They're knowing what to say. They're getting, like, the idea of a fra- I think the example was a fraction, right? The kid said, like, well, it's a fraction. And like, he's – I had never even taught the word fraction yet this yeah. year, but, like, that language was built from previous times. And I think it's the same thing with social-emotional learning and, like, the SEL kind of curriculum. If you are teaching it as a baseline tier one, like, everybody's getting it kind of instruction – then what you're doing is you're building capacity over time, yeah. But I think you have to do it in a way that's not like pushed to the side, like just kind of getting through it.
1: Got my 15 minutes in.
0: Yeah, like I just did it to check off a box. Yeah, do it, and you you may have to do it. I get that you may also have to do it to check off a box, but. <laughs> But I think to do it in a way, take it seriously and know that what you're building upon is um, you're laying a really great foundation for the future. Because then once kids, if we're doing this all the way through, then when a kid's a junior in high school, my gosh, they've really experienced a lot of training, really, in how their mind works, how their how their body feels, all the things. Yeah. And they're much more equipped to be able to accept bigger shifts that happen or um, at least have language, common language to be able to express the, um, the things that they're going through and the the help that they need. And so I think that's a big one to kind of start off with is like to start seeing that not as a box to check, but as a, um, like an important training tool, that's really going to pay off in the end. You know, because yeah. I think sometimes we can get into the spot I and mean, we can do that with everything. I mean, we can do it with a reading thing, too. We can do it with a, you know, where you get into that yeah. and you're like, oh, this week, I feel like I'm just checking the box. Yeah, I'm not saying that I'm saying like if our overall attitude is just to like kind of get it out of the way and not see the importance, it is important and it makes a big difference because we can really build on stuff in the future. I think with that. Hey, everyone, thanks for joining us on this week's episode. We're going to rejoin Justin and Katie next time to finish this great topic. that has got lots of things to talk about. So, in the meantime, get out there and do the work. Thanks. Hey, everybody. Let's keep the conversation going.
1: Like and subscribe below and keep the comments rolling.